Welcome to the podcast of Revival Life Church, a spirit-filled multicultural church in Boca Raton, Florida. If you would like more information about Revival Life Church or Pastor Carl Thomas, you can find us on the web at revivallife.church. Mike Rettler, I'm director of the GO team here, and um, I'd really like to thank Pastor Carl and Pastor Tracy for this opportunity. It's uh, really exciting. It's nerve-wracking. I, uh, personally, I've wrote this message three times now. The first time was okay. The second time was so long, we'd be here till 2 o'clock, and now I've readjusted it a bit. And stuff. It's just so much in 1 Kings 18 there, and um, I get excited and really excited, and then I go, I let my wife read it, and she looks at me, and, okay, yeah. I send it off to pastor, and he, way too many scriptures, Mike, wait, because it would be here till real late, so we're not going to, so first off, we'd like to welcome all our online viewers, thank you, Jesus, it's so great, I love, I love it that we can go online, especially I was gone last weekend, so it's like I really appreciated it, because I was away, and I could do it, so um, I do have an apology before we even start. I am sorry. My brain moves faster than my mouth, so sometimes it'll go, and you won't understand what I'm saying, so I'm clearing this up right away. When it happens, you guys know, okay, he's already said he's sorry. Today's title of today's message is, Elijah Wanted, Dead or Alive? Yeah, it's a good one. So, in 1 Kings 18.1, that's where we're going to start, but I've got a little, a couple little reports on the GO team. Um, started a long time ago. Sue and I were in Israel, Jerusalem as a matter of fact, and the um, church I was going to then, it was 2000, it was a while ago, and I was thinking and things weren't going well, and I knew it and he knew it, so he goes, See what God has to say to you while you're on your trip. So I go, okay, I go out in the balcony in the morning. I like to get up early. And I'm praying, and God says, feed my sheep. Mm, that's good. I've heard that before. I've read it. Next morning, I get up, feed my sheep. Okay. I come home. And right then, it was uh, the Toronto thing was really blossoming, and we're praying for people. I go, look, I'm really doing it. I'm really feeding this sheep. Look at Eight years later, I get a prophetic word, and it says, Mike, I think you're going to be dealing with the homeless a little bit. Now, 12 years after that, now I really know what it's like to feed his sheep, because he really wants you to do it. Sometimes it's literal, and it's like people go, why do you do this? Why do you do? I hear it all the time. Why do you do this? I go, Jesus told me to feed his sheep. He goes, what do you do? You go, you feed the poor. He goes, what do you do? He goes, it's easy. You feed the poor. It's not, it doesn't take a brain surgery. I didn't have to go to Holiday Inn. All you do is you get a little bit of food. It started off the first day I went out there after I got the prophetic word. The next week I did it. If you get a prophetic word and you think God's telling you to do something, go do it right away and he'll give you the fruit. A hundredfold. Right, dude? So I went out there. I had a case of Bibles and a case of water. And inside of 20 minutes, all gone. I had a sign. I used to hang up a sign in the back of the car. Free story, free gift. And then I... I think uh, 17 or 18 people confessed Christ that day, and I'm really excited, you know? So it's like, thank you, Jesus. And then 
the next day, the next week I go out, a, another person comes with me, and she's more observant than I am. She goes, they're hungry too. And I go, hmm. We went over to Wendy's, and we bought 20 hamburgers. And boom, they were gone. And then it just blossomed like that continually. And now I think Pastor Carl mentioned it from March of 2020 till this year, we fed over 10,000 meals. You know, and it's like you sit there and you go, Whew. but it was like, but it's only 50 at a time. And then it adds up and it adds up and it adds up. On the weekend, we do 90 to 100. We go to a different location to find more poor. And anywhere you want to go, you can find poor. My wife calls me the homeless magnet. She, no matter where I we're riding through Newark, New Jersey, on our way to the airport. And um, my little sister's not slow driver. So I made sure we pulled out the dollars and we had them to give to the homeless people on the corners there. You know, and they just come everywhere I go. My favorite one, oh, was Claude. That's not even in my notes. He was at Journey to Heaven Church in Pompano. It's a real little, little. You think we're small. They were really small. But anyway, he's standing outside, and he'd been homeless probably 10 years. And I go, hey, Claude, you know, if you died tonight, would you go to heaven? Yeah. I said, well, what would you say to the Father? And he goes, well, everything I do. And then I took him to John 3.16, and it said, for God so loved the world. I crossed off world, and I wrote his name. All of a sudden, he got it. He'd probably been to more churches and more places. He knew for God so loved the world. But when I put for God so loved Claude, it changed him. Every week after that, he had to give a testimony. Had to give a testimony after church. I, I got every week in Rodilla. Yeah, Claude, we know. We know, you know. And I'm like, you know, it's just good to impress. It's like, ooh. And then like a year, probably a year, year and a half later, he was out there panhandling on the street and somebody hit him. He went like 70 feet and died. But we know where he's happier now. He's happier now, but it's, it's that serious. So when you run across people, you know, and people would go, eh, it's just Claude. He's been out here forever. It's like, but sometimes you can just pierce their hearts. I should go back. Sometimes. I get really attached to the homeless, which is good and bad at the same time. Because uh, this year, God finally showed me. Oh, thank you, Lord. He goes, they were his before they were mine. You know, so it's his responsibility because they were, we're feeding one, two or three groups every day, you know, Monday, Wednesday, and Friday now because they closed the shelter on them. So there was a guy coming after me at night. He worked for the school board in the cafeteria and he'd bring them food every night. But then somebody ratted him out or something and he couldn't bring it anymore. And I'm there like, ooh. But other people have been bringing it. I go, yeah, this guy brought it and this guy. So it's like, they're God's before they're ours. And we have to, you know, that gives us a confidence that God's going to make sure they're taken care of, whether it's you or somebody else. They are going to be taken care of. One of the things, the more you minister, the more opportunities you'll have. And it's like, just to get out there and do it. Yep, they even put it up there for me. Very good. It's one thing about the homeless. They don't trust anybody. They don't, you know, they'll try to, Whatever. I had a friend of mine come down to go fishing, Rodney, and he comes out and we feed the poor, we go fishing, and the next day we feed the poor again. So we're over there, and we ran across a guy, his name is Steve, that's not his real name, the names are changed to protect the innocent. So 
He's got a check for $2,100. He hadn't gotten his disability for three months, and he couldn't cash it. It was right in the, it was April of the pandemic. And then I said, well, I'll take you to the bank. And so he gets in the car. We go over to the bank. Oh, no, you've got to make an appointment to get in the bank. And I'm like, Phew. So I look and I go, well, why don't we go to the check cashing place over here? He goes, oh, I got a card from Ascot, but they take half your money. I go, they don't take half your money. We're having an argument in the car. So he goes over there, and they cash it for him. He's got $2,100 cash. Took about an hour because he had no ID, but he had to go back to his mom, birth certificate, the whole deal. But he got the money. So he's in the car, and he's riding with us, and he pulls out 100 bucks. And I go, like, ooh, I'm getting 100 bucks for the homeless. <laughs> you know? He takes the 100 puts it in his pocket, and hands me the envelope of 2000 and goes, could you hold it for me? He said, just hold it for me. And I'm like, ooh. So we brought it home, and then on Friday, I gave it to him. He went and got a room, and then the person that rented in the room didn't like him going out all hours of the night, and he's not there. Now he's back in tent city now so but it's it's amazing the opportunities I mean the guy gave me he really he knew me but he didn't know me he knew Mike and I'm or Santa and I'm there like come on I could have left he'd have never known but sometimes you did God lets you build relationships like that and God lets you take care of the weather no rain story last summer it rained a lot at noon We'd go on uh, Wednesdays. We were buying pizzas. People had donated pizzas to the homeless. And we're riding down Dixie Highway before we get to Sample Road. And it's raining. And it's raining. I got a car behind me with some people in it. And they're there like, we're back on the phone. No rain. No rain. And it's rain. I mean, it's raining, raining. We get down, turn down Sample Road. We get the power line. And it stops raining. It happened like five times in a row. And it's like, okay, God, you really love, because when, when it's raining, you can't find the poor is hiding. They're scurried away. And I, I would be too. So the next story is, it's an honor for me to feed the poor. And it's like, God will give you more opportunities than you've ever seen. On March 17th, isn't that St. Patrick's Day, the 17th? Yeah. One of my homeless guys found a cell phone. And on the 19th, he gave it to me, and it's almost out of power. It's like an iPhone 12, and it's got, like, this much power. And so we get it in the car. Zoe was with me, and we plug it in, and we're like, call us, call us, because we couldn't get in the phone because it's a smartphone. We're waiting and waiting. Nothing, nothing. The next day, a young guy calls, and he was yelling at me. I go, you haven't contacted me. I go, sorry, I'm not the guy. I'm not Cole. I found out the guy's name that owned the phone was, I'm not Cole. So Cole comes along, and he finally uh, said to me, he goes, Mike, send me the phone. I said, no, I don't trust anybody either. <laughs> I didn't know who the guy was. I didn't know how well he knew the guy that owned the phone or anything. So then later on that day, somebody texted the phone, and a number came up. And then I called that number, and the guy goes, is that you, Cole? I said, no. He goes, okay, uh, who are you? And he goes, oh, who are you? And we're like, okay. Um, young guy, he goes to high school. And I find out Cole, he helps people pass their PSATs and SATs and stuff. So he ended up being a really nice guy. And, and I go, well, let me talk to your mother. 
He goes, yeah, it's her phone. I'll give it to you. So she goes, oh, yeah, I know Cole. I'll email him. And he will get the phone. He'll tell him his phone has been recovered. And this is Saturday around noon. All day Saturday, nothing. All day Monday, Sunday, nothing. Monday at 11 o'clock, he calls my phone. Cole, finally. And by then, on Sunday, my little sister asked me to come visit her in Jersey. So I said, okay. So then by the time I talked to Cole, I go, I'm going to be in Jersey next week. He goes, well, I live in New York. And he lost his phone here. So that following Saturday, he came out to where my sister lived, and he got his phone. And it's like, oh, man. It's like, God, thank you. Right? And then I'm telling Cole, well, a homeless guy had it, and he gave it to me, and then giving him the stories. So then he whipped out 100 bucks. I said, oh, that's nice. And then I showed him a picture of Luke, the guy who gave it to him. Because first, I won't say. Yeah, well, Luke said, take it to a pawn shop. See what you can get, Mike. <laughs> I go, yeah, on your dime. Not me, buddy. You get arrested for less than that. So now we've got a picture of Luke. He gave him another $100 when he really found out he was homeless. There's Luke with his $200. So it's like God will meet everybody's needs. Everybody's. Now back to the story. 1 Kings 18, 1. First Kings 18, 1, yeah. Now it happened. After many days, the word of the Lord came to Elijah in the third year, saying, Go present yourself to Ahab, and I will provide rain on the face of the earth. And what I'd like to do is, I know last week we got the prophetic word on rain and how things are going to explode here because of what God's doing in a three-year season and three years which is really good. I'm excited about that. But I, what I'd like to do is, now the word of the Lord came to Mike. So God likes it to be personal. You will hear. Right now, we're proclaiming right now, you will hear from God in a way you've never heard from God before. Because he's reigning on us. He's reigning on us. You will hear from God. You have to stay fluid about it, though. Because a lot of times, God will tell us stuff. And it's like, it's like a shock. It's like, huh? It's completely different, uh, just as different. But I know how much his thoughts are. So I've read the Bible. 139, Psalm 139, 17 and 18. Ooh, they got it. How precious are your thoughts for me, God, how vast the sum of them. Were I to count them, they would outnumber the sand. When I am awake, I am still with you. I read that, and I said, I'm going to use that. That's good. And then I started figuring out, how many grains of sand are on the earth? I've, I've done a couple of researches on it and how many's in a tablespoon and a cup and everything. People have written books about it recently, just recently. And I'm like, wow, look at that, just for me. And there's 500 quintillion grains of sand. That's 10 to the 3,003 power. If we put it into pennies, like if each one was a penny... One quintillion would fit, on, would fit on a page of paper. And so if you looked at every page, every second, it would take 31.7 years to look at how many pennies were there. That's how many thoughts that God has for us. It's amazing. And I don't know if that's the right number, but it is. It's amazing. And all we, all we have to do is catch a couple of them. All we have to do is catch a couple of them. In 2000, I heard the word, feed my sheep. And I really thought I was doing it, man. People filled. 
right? You know, I really thought that was it. I was it. And now I found out, no, uh, Jesus had something bigger than that for me. And he did. Here in 1 Kings 18, they are at the end of a three-year severe famine. And I'm not going to read all the verses. There's too many. Ahab called Obadiah. And they're, they're going back and forth. Hey, hey, we're in trouble, Obadiah. You know, he got his iPhone. Hey, let's go find some water. Otherwise, they're going to have to kill the cattle. Now, Obadiah was running Ahab and Jezebel's household. So it's like, boy, that's an interesting guy. Ahab looks at Obadiah and goes, hey, you go this way, I'll go that way. And I'm like, he's running it. I look at that and I think, the two main guys, they're running around looking for water. And it's like, if they asked God for it, he would have provided it. Instead, they're trying to do it in themselves. They're trying to do it themselves. Now the plot thickens. Now Obadiah runs into Elijah while he's out there looking for the water. Call Ahab and tell him I'm here. And he's like, what do you mean? Call Ahab. If I tell Ahab he's here, he's going to kill me. That's what the scripture says. And so Ahab, he's a serious dude. You know, he really, he really, really wanted Elijah. They were in trouble. I wonder how many people Ahab, when he said to Elijah, they'd say, hey, Elijah's here or Elijah's there. And every time they'd say it, Elijah would be somewhere else. I wonder how many people he uh, 86'd, he killed. How else would Obadiah know that if I tell him he's there and he's not there, he's going to kill me? Current news flash. Elijah wanted. I put dead or alive on it. Elijah wanted dead or alive. Ahab really wanted Elijah. I mean, really wanted him. So he made every territory around him swear that he wasn't there. Not here. Not here. And make them guarantee that it's true. And it's like he really put the pressure on him. It was unbelievable. And then in 1 Kings 18, 11, it says, Now you are saying to me, Go, say to your master, Behold, Elijah is here. And when he comes about, and I leave, and the Spirit of the Lord will carry you where I do not know. So when I come and inform Ahab, he cannot find you. He will kill me, though I, your servant, have feared the Lord from my youth. That's pretty heavy. That's really heavy. Because he knows it's going to be the end if Elijah does not meet with Ahab. So the Lord had protected Elijah all the time. And he told Ahab, there's Elijah, and the Spirit of the Lord will carry him someone out. Can you imagine that? Every time. I'm sure. I don't know what kind of reward. The Bible doesn't tell us. But I'm sure if you found Elijah and you went back to Ahab, say, here he is. He'd have doled out something for him. Right? I don't know how many times. There's one thing we have to remember more than anything else. God Almighty will be with you when you're doing ministry. He will be with you. When you're doing ministry, and, and you're sitting there and you're going, I'm afraid. A lot of times, in the beginning, I was a little apprehensive at best. It was hard. It was, you know, because I was uh, freshly retired and 
we didn't have uh, we're, we're getting our funds straightened out you know and it's like and then all of a sudden I'm buying 20 hamburgers every week for the homeless and then it went to 40 hamburgers and Sue looks at me and goes you know she goes it's it's getting to be. I said okay I know I know we kept doing it though we we kept doing it we did you know and God provided that's that same year I was looking and looking a friend of mine wanted to get a dining room set. And so I was looking at Craigslist of free stuff. So we're looking, and I, as I go in across it, I see a guy, free food, hurricane food. And I've gone to him before, and it's like 300-year-old food. <laughs> and he goes, no, no, no. And so I saw it two weeks in a row, hurricane food. It was up in Jupiter. So I called the guy. Yeah, yeah, I got 18 boxes of hurricane food. We're moving. I said, oh, okay, I'll, 18 boxes, I'll chance it. So I drove up to Jupiter, Jupiter Farms it was, and the guy had 29 banker boxes full of food. 10 of the boxes, each box had 15 pounds of rice, cryovac'd, and nine pounds of black beans. And then in another box, it was full of olive oil. And then there was a whole box, a box of salt. We still have some of that salt. <laughs> but, and then he had spam, chicken, and I mean, he had boxes. They were preparing for the end of the world, I think, or something. <laughs> but that's okay. I filled up. The, we had enough stuff for over six months for the homeless. And it's like, because I stumbled into it. Sometimes we just stumble into the craziest stuff. You know? Yeah. One time, only one time in 12 years, I, looked, I thought about calling the cops that I've been out there. A guy was intoxicated. It was 27th in Atlantic, I remember. The guy, I'd fed him before and everything, but he was drunk. And he was trying to tell everybody what's in the back of my car and give it away. And I'm there, I put another person aside. I said, you get ready to dial 911 if this guy continues. And I walked up to him and I said, I'm gonna call the police. And then he left. It was that quick. And I'm there like, whew. Because it's, sometimes it's interesting. It is. We were over at FAU. <laughs> this has nothing to do with those stories. We were at FAU. <laughs> I thought of it this morning. I just typed it in. And we were, we'd go over there and street witness at the student union. And so there was two young boys fighting over a girl. Can you believe that? You know? And, but they were wrestlers, you could tell. And they're down on the concrete. And, you know, lasted a minute. Come on, two guys. <laughs> you don't have much. So... They didn't. One guy went into the bathroom and another guy's over there and I gave him a bottle of water and they're cleaning one guy up and the guy come out and they're still posturing, you know. And so everybody's like, okay, take care of, you're the man of God, you take, I go, yes, I will, I'll take care of this. You guys go over there and fight in the grass. This way you don't get scraped up. You know, God will give you thoughts and stuff, you know, because they're going to fight. They are going to fight. I'm not going to stop them from fighting. Yeah, I'm going to get up there, in the name of the Lord, stop fighting. And the guy's going to go, yes! I'll do that. No, I don't want to get hit. I don't. You know, and everybody, everybody, we're having a good time with this. And everybody goes, well, there's no, we're peaceful people. And we're, well, David had 300 mighty men. And then he had 300 or 30 that were the strongest. And then he had three, and then he had one. How did they find out? Who was the strongest? Did they draw straws? <laughs> no. No. <laughs> they wrestled. 
They, that's how they found out. So it's like when guys have to do something, I, I've mentioned this a bunch. Not a bunch, not enough. We should have Friday night fights for men at some of the gyms. So when the men get out of work on Friday night, they can go to a gym, fight each other, and then they'll be fine all weekend. All their anxieties and all their stuff is gone. And they get home and they're like, oh, okay, I can do this. Hi, honey, I love you. I just got my butt kicked. <laughs> or I won, you know. But if men could get it out like that, because we got problems. Men have problems. Sorry, I confess. Men have problems. We need more bravery among us. We do. Back to the story. Sorry. I got, a million, I got a million of them. How many do you want? You know? But Obadiah was a brave man. If we're reading 1 Kings, Obadiah was a brave man. It says here in scriptures that your servant, I have feared the Lord from my youth. So he really knew God. And then I wonder, how did he get the job as running Ahab and Jezebel's household if he feared God? And then I go back, I go, Joseph, he went through the desert. His brother sold him. They went through all the deal. And then God's favor was still on him. It doesn't matter where we are. God's favor is on us. We're going to win. We are going to win. So now Obadiah hid 100 prophets. Could you imagine hiding 100 people and feeding them during a famine? I know what it's like to feed them, and it's not a famine. But he fed them. He took care of God's people. In Proverbs 1.7, it says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. So he feared the Lord, and that has, that's what helped him. God will give you the same wisdom. Wherever you are, God will give you the same wisdom. He's no respecter of persons. If you want to know more of what's going on, okay, God, I'm going to go out and do this, and then he will adjust how you do it. That's always the hard part when God gives you the adjustments because we get it set in our mind, and then other people tell us stuff. But God will give you the wisdom. 1 Kings 18, verse 14. And now you are saying, go say to your master, behold, Elijah is here. He will then kill me. Obadiah had it figured out. He knew it. So that's really serious. But Elijah assures Obadiah, I will meet with him today. Verse 16. Verse 16, please. <laughs> so Obadiah went to meet Ahab and informed him. Then Ahab went to meet Elijah. Wow. Can you imagine how mad Ahab was with Elijah? So then when he finally gets to see him, verse 17. When Ahab saw Elijah, Ahab said to him, it is you the cause of the disaster to Israel. And what did Elijah say? No, 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 no. People will always try to turn it around. It's really funny that whenever you do what God wants you to do, people don't like the truth. One thing we do, I take teams out sometimes and 
the poor people always go, can I have 50 more cents? Mike, can I? all I need is 50 more cents to get a beer. Oh, I only need 50 more cents to get on the bus. Only. And I'm there like, it's so easy. And I used to say it, and I'm repenting now. Uh, I, don't have, I, don't have, I don't have it with me. I don't have it. All right. Now I've learned to say, I've already spent what I'm going to spend today because I know I've got the money in my pocket. So we got to speak the truth to them. And they, they seem to take that a lot better. I've already spent what I'm going to spend today. I gave you water. I gave you food, toiletries, clothes. I'm not giving you any money. So it's like we have to speak the truth when we're ministering. And a lot of times we kind of get our own little feelings in there. Jesus said, you shall know the truth and the truth will set them free. We want to set people free. And when we tell them these little fibs, and when you're out there ministering, it's so easy to do it because you're, the, you're, you're there. But Elijah said to him, no, no, no. Oh, that's in case I get thirsty. I got, I got, what do they call them? Cargo pants. <laughs> I go to the airport, and it's like a half hour to get everything out of my pockets before I go through TSA. But this is what? Elijah said to Ahab. No! 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 We have to make it really plain and clear to people. Sometimes we try to soft soap it. Did Elijah? He said, and then Elijah said, verse 18. And he said, I have brought disaster. I have not brought disaster to Israel, but you and your father's house have. Because you have abandoned the commandments of the Lord and followed Baal. Whew. He's got nowhere to go. He's got absolutely nowhere to go after that. What could he say? And he didn't. There's no response in the Bible. I, the best part about the Bible, when we read through this, you know, we try to make up the stuff in between. God will let us get away with it for a while, you know. I don't know, what, I don't know what happened. I don't know how his response was. But I do know in verse 18, he said, have I not brought disaster? And then he goes to your father's house because you have abandoned the commandments of the Lord and you had followed Baal. Now then, now all of a sudden Elijah's in charge. Now then, gather, send orders, gather to meet all Israel at the Mount Carmel together with 450 prophets of Baal and 400 prophets of Asher who eat at Jezebel's table. All of a sudden, Elijah's commanding Ahab. Huh, this is interesting. I sit there and I go, hmm, sometimes we just have to take hold of everything that God's given us and start commanding it. There's commanded blessings from heaven. You know, and this is what Elijah and Ahab did. But what about us in our daily walk? How are we going to do it? It's like you just bless them. Commend them. Do we know? My favorite, favorite verse is 3 John 2. My friends, I want you to prosper. Be in health even as your soul prospers. I pray that over more people. And then I, I get to the money. I go, God wants you to prosper, right? And then I'm there like, money, 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 money. You know, and people look at the, the best place I did that was jail. I was doing that in jail. And everybody's like, Mike, why are you, you know? It was amazing the amount of money that was put into their commissary accounts when we started praying. Probably about, uh, 
if I remember right, it's about 30% of them had money put in that they weren't expecting. And it's like, and that's to jail. What's God going to do out here in the open public? I call in money all the time. What the heck? I did, I did tell? Yeah. I did tell the poor when we started feeding them March 20, 2020, that like, I will feed you as long as God provides the money. You know? And now it's a year later, God's always provided the money or the food. He always does. Because he loves the poor. They were his before they were mine. And we have to get that through our heads. That's one of the most interesting things. But uh, next is uh, Elijah and Ahab and all the 950 prophets at Mount Carmel. That's a good one. Tune in next week. (laughs) Yes, Uh, Carl, the pastor, I'm pretty sure he'll address that. In ending, I would like to show, go to one verse, uh, John 4, 34. And Jesus said to them, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and accomplish his work. Wow, I read that. Jesus was in Samaria, and he was going to Galilee. He could have went the Mediterranean route, taken the coast highway up, or he could have taken the Jordan River up. But instead, he went up through Samaria because he knew he had people to minister to. And that was his will. The boys were trying to feed him, his disciples. They went and got food. He came back, and they go, Jesus, aren't you hungry? Don't you want something to eat? He goes, no, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and accomplish his work. So it's like, okay, God, what do you want me to do? His will is different for everybody here. So that, that's what you got to go, okay, it's different. And what God wants you to do is what he's told you to do. And it can go large, small, whatever, but his will. And the biggest thing about that is that it's teamwork. We work as a team. When somebody's got a need or somebody's confused or somebody, you know, hey, we can help you through it. God's let me do this for a while, so I, I sometimes mentor people and, you know, talk to them and put a little under. Okay, no matter what happens, I'll be here for you. And they go, oh, okay. And then after three or four years, then they start believing it. It takes a while. It does. It does take, you got to build relationships with people. And then they, they see you and your actions and what you'll do for them. But uh, one of the big miracles that I've ever seen, and I... Uh, that was a while ago. I went to public speaking and preaching class. I probably broke every rule that he taught me. <laughs> it was out here, David Nichols, out here in uh, Boca. And uh, it's a miracle of salvation. It's a miracle. Uh, the last boss, before I got saved, I went back to him and talked to him quite a bit. And he looked at me and goes, Mike, if anybody needed to get saved, it was you. <laughs> and I'm like, uh, you guys are kind of seeing the kind of finished product. You know, I, when I teach, <laughs> well, definitely, I'm getting there. But uh, I used to teach Intro to Revival Life here for a while. And um, I'd, t- I'd go, you know, guys. And we'd pray, and then everybody would start bawling and stuff. And i go, yeah, that's good today. But I used to make people cry the bad way. <laughs> After being a Christian for like 10 years, I did. You know, because everything was lined up. I was high Pentecostal, you know. It's like everything... They forgot the biggest statement in the world is mercy triumphs over judgment. Mercy triumphs over judgment. And I thank you for that, Lord. Mercy triumphs over judgment. Because we are so easy to judge. But uh, 
in Romans 10, 9 and 10. It's probably my third favorite verse. If you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart a person believes, resulting in righteousness, and with the mouth he confesses, resulting in salvation. In a split second, we can change people's destiny by just feeding them that and go, would you like to pray? And it's like a lot of times they run, but a lot of times they won't. So if there's anybody here that needs that, it's available to you. All you have to do is do it. It's not complicated. It's the kiss theory, I call it. Keep it simple, saints. God likes to keep it simple. He really does. Everybody else, come. you got to do this, and you got to do this. and you gotta, I, tell, I tell them all the time. I'm out there in the street. Well, what do I got to do, you know? You, okay, well, you come to my house, pressure clean my driveway, paint my house, and then, you know, then, then you can go to heaven. And they, or you can accept Jesus. And then they're ready to do it. <laughs> I don't want to work. But people always think it's a work. One of the biggest things I hear is, oh, my heart's right. I got a good heart. And I go, do you know what the Bible says about our heart? It's wicked and deceitful above all things. So it's like, come on. We know ourselves. We need Jesus. We need Jesus. Doesn't matter if you've known him for a week or 40 years. You still need Jesus in the same way every day. And one of the two of the big things that were learned today, I hope, yep, you will hear from God. You will hear from God. Number two, God Almighty will be with you. That changes everything. That God Almighty will be with you. And we thank you for that, Jesus. Be with them, Lord. Be with them, Lord. Every step, Lord. And don't let them forget it. John 10. 28, he says, I give you eternal life. You shall never perish. No one will snatch you out of my hand. My father who has given you to me is greater than all. No one will snatch him out of my father's hand. So we know the father and the son hold our hands no matter what we're going through, good or bad. And we thank you for that. Corey. Amen. Would would you stand with me this morning? And uh, yeah, give it up for Mike. Thank you, Mike. We love Mike. That was, that was so good. I really enjoyed that. I really, I really enjoyed that. Man, thank you guys so much for joining us today. You know, um, I, I, think, I think that there's... I, I remember one time uh, I was feeding with Mike, and he said to me, you know, out of the hundreds of scriptures in the Bible where it talks about feeding, feeding the homeless, never once does it say that they're going to get better. You know, and, and, and our culture is so results oriented, uh, but Jesus is just so compassion oriented. <laughs> you know, he's just like, he's like, I just, it, it, we see the meet and, need and we meet, meet it, right? Yeah. And, and, and uh, like Mike was talking about this morning, the call on each one of our lives is different, uh, but it's the same in the sense that we're called to meet a need that Jesus will ultimately break our hearts for, that he will give us compassion for, right? This is who we're called to be as the church of Jesus Christ. Amen. Uh, give it up for Mike one more time this morning. Let's give it up for all of our serving teams. Thank you guys so much for, for serving our worship teams, our greeters, ushers, people, and the kids. We couldn't 
do what we do on Sundays and in our community without you guys. And if you're a visitor this morning, we really appreciate you joining us. Uh, we have a, a team in the, in the lobby who, will, uh, who would love to meet you um, and can tell you next steps about getting involved at Revival Life Church. Or you can text uh, GORLC to 97000 and we'll get you more information about doing that. Um, Thank you guys again for joining us. I hope you're enjoying this series on Elijah. Pastor and Pastor Tracy will be back next week. Uh, but this week, let's keep them in prayer. They're on vacation. Let's pray they get some much-needed rest. Amen. Let's give it up for Jesus one more time. God bless you guys, and we'll see you next Sunday. Thank you very much. Also, if anyone needs prayer this morning, we'll have some people up front uh, who would love to pray for you. Um, so if, uh, if you do need prayer for anything, we would, uh, we would love to pray for you. God bless you guys.